Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. You were talking about the history of the Harvest Mission Festival here. So the mission arm of the Mennonite Brethren Church has been around like from the very beginning, 1895 or something, I think is when it started. And the first name, I'm not kidding you, the first name was the Committee for Gentile Mission. Yeah, laugh and then cry, Dean, because I was like, what? So, mercifully, they changed it in just a couple years. Uh, (laughs) But we've had like 13 names over the course of time. They're all documented or whatever. Um, We became MB Mission in like 2004, and then Multiply was in 2019. So, Multiply is owned by the U.S. Mennonite Brethren Church, so the five districts in the U.S. Mennonite Brethren, and then the provinces of Canada make up the Canadian Mennonite Brethren Conference, and those two conferences own Multiply. We serve the churches in those two nations. Um, So, that's, that's us. So last year, I have some numbers from last year, 377 churches were planted through Multiply. And I feel like I always need to stop and explain that number a little bit. Because if you think about church and you think about living hope, it's going to make you go, how in the world did that happen? How, did, how in the world did 377 of those things happen? And that's because when we talk about the church in places where Jesus is not yet known and where people are bringing the gospel, what the church looks like is just very different. In fact, in the future, I'm just going to include a picture of a bunch of people sitting around under a tree. When I say a bunch of people, I mean like 10. And they just came to faith in Jesus maybe a month ago through some kind of an evangelistic event. And 10 people said they wanted to follow Jesus. So the person who led them is now meeting with them under a tree once or twice a week to talk about the teachings of Jesus so they can learn about how to actually follow him. And so part of what they're learning how to do is to make disciples themselves. So those people are going to lead some people to Jesus probably pretty quickly. And then they're going to start meeting with people under a tree. And they're going to make disciples who can then make disciples, right? So you can get to 377 actually not that hard in a pandemic year when you're functioning like that all over the whole world. A um, little over 5,500 people were baptized that we know about. And this happened in 68 nations. And I have a map here that I'll show you. 68 nations as reported by our 89 global workers. So we have 72 missionaries, but there are 17 missionaries that we call international partner missionaries. So I'll stop again and explain that little piece. So I talked about the U.S. conference and the Canadian conference. There's actually like 20 other conferences out there in the world, and they all make up this organization called ICOM, International Community of Mennonite Brethren. Okay, that's the ICOM family, and 17 uh, people are missionaries with those ICOM conferences, uh, serve through multiply. 
So that's how we get to 89. But then we have 91 national leaders that we work with. And these are people, they're followers of Jesus, leaders in the countries um, where they're able to reach their own people. So we're just trying to come in low and support them to reach their own people. That's a really good way for that to happen. Wow, okay. My phone is going completely crazy. <coughs> um, and so then I have a slide that shows, oh, the map. Thank you. Um, so let's see. You all support um, Paul and Sarah Rogast. So Paul and Sarah Rogast would be in that sort of maroon-colored region. We call that uh, Europe and Central Asia. And so in all the countries there, we're connected with 11 of them. So France would be one of those. But there are 10 other nations under a regional team leader for that area, and they're hard at work. Um, so out of the Canadian Conference and the Mennonite Brethren Conference, 279 churches between Canada and the U.S. have been working together with Multiply in 2020. So this is last year. 279 churches came together to pray, send missionaries, give money, support projects, um, just be a part of it, have a hand in it. That's pretty cool. And I just want to thank Living Hope for your support of Paul and Sarah and also Global Church Planting, which you also give very generously to. In fact, I checked. As of last Friday, so far this year, you had, you had given $11,706 to Paul and Sarah and Global Church Planting. So thank you for being a part of it. You're part of those people who are gathered under a tree learning how to follow Jesus and making disciples. Like you're doing that. So I want to um, I want to talk a little bit about yeah I want to talk a little bit about my favorite story. I've got a picture of this painting, a famous Van Gogh painting called The Sower. Anybody kind of familiar with it? Anybody seen this before? Van Gogh was an interesting cat. He was a little crazy. He cut off his ear one time. He actually meant to cut off somebody else's ear. That guy ran away. I don't know, really needed to cut his ear off. And he ended up taking his life. I don't know if you spend time around really creative people. There's a lot going on in their head. Um, yeah, I know some creative people who really struggle a lot because they see things. And it can be hard to make sense of them. I've, I used to think artists were just weird. Now I just have a lot of compassion because my son is a musician. He's writing music and it makes his life hard. He sees things and he figures out how to put it down. It's deep. So that's one of the ways Jesus is helping me be a more compassionate person. Is just realize not everybody's like me. Not everybody has an awesome life like I do. Not everybody sees everything like I do. But I love this picture. So I'm from the big city. I live in Denver. Um, and people who live in the big city go to art museums. That's what's cool for us. So recently I went to see a really special exhibit of Van Gogh's work. It's called Immersive Van Gogh. It was amazing. 
was kind of taking about, uh, took about 200 of Van Gogh's portraits, and they were all digitized and put to music, and they just set it up in this huge room, and everything's being projected on the walls, and I mean, it's, talk about immersive, like, you're in it. It's really remarkable. So, I just got to see this picture broken up and kind of all over the walls recently. I but it really makes me sit up and pay attention when I see it because it's he bases this on the parable of the seeds, which is actually what we're going to talk about today. But I, I want you to know, it's not lost on me that a city boy is coming to a community of generational farmers to talk about farming stuff. <laughs> like, I, don't, I do that with a little bit of fear and trepidation. Like, who is this cat thinking he could tell me anything about farming? And I'm not going to tell you anything about farming, <clears throat> but we are going to talk about parable of seeds. That feels like safe ground to me. Um, it's also kind of funny that Jesus said, um, he tells the parable and then he explains it, but the disciples ask him, what does that parable mean? And he says to them, you don't know what that parable means? How can you understand any parable if you don't know what that parable means? So you know what Jesus is saying? This is pretty straightforward. There's nothing complicated about this. So, we're going to talk about that. If you want, <clears throat> you can turn to Matthew 13, where I'm going to read the story. So it's kind of told in two parts. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 3. This is Jesus. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And so then... There's some intervening scriptures there, and eventually they ask about the meaning. So if we skip down to verse 19, Jesus explains, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word 
and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. It's a beautiful story. So I just want to talk a little bit about each of those four. So this first one is the idea of these seeds that fall on the path. They fall on hard ground. And these birds come and take it away. And Jesus explains. People hear it and they don't understand it. And the evil one comes and takes it away. And I'm like, wow. Like we we talk about spiritual warfare sometimes. And I, I don't know that we always understand this aspect of what people are dealing with in trying to understand the gospel, that there really is there really is something going on in the unseen realm here that's preventing people from being able to understand. So, And the scriptures say, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't understand. So, like, how do you feel about people who don't know Jesus? How do you feel about lost people? And the inevitable kind of life that lost people will live. Are you, are you angry at them? You ever get angry at them? Are you frustrated at them? And it's just like, let me ask you, like, do you ever get angry at a blind person? Do you ever get angry at a blind person for being blind? They're just doing what they do. I, and I talked before about some compassion kinds of things for me, like compassion for artists. And I, I, because I came to faith a little, little later in life, I actually remember what it felt like to not know Jesus, to not be redeemed, to not have my sin forgiven, to not have the Holy Spirit, to be lost, to be confused, to be scared. Like, I remember. So when I'm around people who haven't had the opportunity to get to know Jesus yet, I'm not angry at them. I actually am really, like, I have desire for them to know him. So it's just something to think about. Because there is a hard-heartedness there. Like, it's... There's some willfulness on their part. But the evil one is also, like, involved here. Doesn't want them to come to faith in Jesus. Doesn't want them to believe. Doesn't want them to understand. So next we have this seed that falls on the rocky soil. And um, I call this Chia Pet Spirituality. This was the thing when I was a kid. It was, it was cool. It was fun. You just put a little water on the thing, and boom, next morning, you know, you got clover, alfalfa, or whatever you got going on. Chia. It's actually chia. Chia pet. Now they have all kinds of different terracotta things that you can grow it in. Like, it's a billion-dollar business for somebody. But it doesn't last and so, you know, we chuckle at my idea of Chia Pet spirituality. And I sort of intentionally tried to get a chuckle out of you. But it's not at all a funny thing. When you think about, uh, and again, this is where I'm starting to get in my lane a little bit. But if you plant something in a field and it starts to grow, that's really cool. Like, you're like, yes, start to see this first green sprig break in the ground. But it's also kind of a vulnerable time. Because they can get, they can get eaten. The plants can get eaten. 
It can get rained on really hard and are not hardy enough to maybe survive too much water. Again, maybe I'm out of my lane here a little bit. But it's like it's a vulnerable time. Let's get away from professional farming and just talk about your own yard. You plant a tree in your yard. And I hear there's wind here. So if you plant a sapling in your yard and the wind's blowing really hard, and it blows your tree over, like that's not a good thing. So you have to really be involved with that little plant. You have to really be involved with that new life. And this is where I think sometimes about sort of church, and growing up in church and church families, which I didn't have the privilege to do. And I mean that when I say privilege. If you are raising children in a Christian home, it's unbelievable. Because you're being discipled every day, all the time. All the time. Someone is helping you figure out how to walk with Jesus. We may not always be using that language, but that's what we're doing when we're teaching our children to obey. When we're teaching them about what God is like and how we handle difficult things between people or different circumstances. How to pray. Like they're just catching it from you. So I didn't get any of that. So, like, if you got to be raised in a Christian family, like, celebrate that. Because it is hard work learning that later. Because you, like, how, how do I do this? I don't know how to do anything. When I came to faith, I knew, like, three things. God was amazing. He was far away because of my sin. And he did something about it in Jesus. And I am in. Like, I love that guy. But I don't know anything. And it, like, it's a journey. So, like, when you have someone, like, I'll just say this. I'm just going to say it. If you have someone from the community that you love into this family, and they come to faith, and maybe they get in a tank somewhere and get baptized, and we're like, woo! The hard part starts now. Those are some of the scariest days for me as a pastor when some rough character from the community gets loved into the kingdom and they get baptized. And we just think this is the most awesome thing in the whole world, but we're not really discipling this person. And if we are, it's so hard because I got so much life that they're still going to have to tease out and figure out and sort out and untangle. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of love. And sometimes we just don't have it. We just want people to come on. Mm -mm, That's not how that works. You don't shout at a little sapling and get it to grow faster. It's going to grow at the speed it's going to grow. So anyway, that may be the snippiest I get in this whole message, but you can tell I feel pretty strongly about some of this stuff. When someone's a brand new believer, that is a crucial time to be with them, to be helping them get their roots down so that when trouble or persecution comes, they don't fall away. We don't want people to fall away. So the next was the seed that falls among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And we really get to kind of one of the big points of why Jesus is telling the story is that fruitfulness is the normal thing. So if you're a farmer and you plant something, it gets corn, right? Corn is the dealio. 
So if you planted corn and it came up, had no ears on it, how long are you doing that? You're going to go talk to your seed guy. What is up with that seed you gave me? And I didn't get any ears. Or half. Got half a yield that I was expecting. Like fruitfulness is normal. You're not even being bossy if you expect fruitfulness. Like that's what should happen. So some of the seed falls among thorns and it says it chokes it. It's, something is competing for it. And so I found this little picture of this thing growing in the middle of like these thorns. And I also found, because uh, I've just, it's fun to, I like stories, so it's fun. I was just looking around for stories about stuff trying to grow in thorns or whatever. And I came across this really interesting thing in a gardening forum. This person said, we recently bought an old farmhouse. There are some old, neglected Concord grapevines that I would like to restore. Intertwined with them is this incredibly thorny vine. I'm having trouble identifying the vine. I think it may have been planted there on purpose years ago because it's the only place on the property that it grows. I have also seen it at a local cemetery on a grave that I believe belongs to the previous owners. Does anyone know what it is or have any advice? I just thought, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to read it. (laughs) I think it was planted there on purpose. There's this beautiful vine there, and they want to restore it to fruitfulness. And they got some work to do now, right? So sometimes, that just, isn't that how it happens? We're just bumping along, minding our own business, and all of a sudden, we're just in the middle of a really thorny kind of deal, having to make decisions about money. Or we're starting to get worried about stuff. Will I have enough? Da, 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 right? It just goes on and on. It's really interesting that those are the two things Jesus mentions. Troubles. And deceitfulness of wealth. How does wealth lie? The deceitfulness of wealth. How does it it lie to us? What does it say to us that's not true, that chokes out our fruitfulness? Interesting thing to kick around over over the lunch we're going to have. That'd be a fun lunch conversation, wouldn't it? What's choking the fruitfulness out of you? So lastly, and I got in too late last night. Do you guys still have a big corn pile around here somewhere at the elevator? Is there a big pile there? Yeah? Oh, shucks. Because what I wanted to do is have a picture of your corn pile. But I just got this other one. A couple of them. I'm still, I'm never going to get over these things when I see these things. This is amazing. Like that little retaining wall is like seven feet, seven feet high on this one. Like that's a big pile in there. And it's what's even more amazing is how quickly it'll get gone. Like auger that thing into some cars and off it goes. But it's like I just, there have been times when I just pull over. Like I'll just pull over and stare at that. Unbelievable fruitfulness and yield. 
bounty all collected in one place. It's incredible. And different yields, 30, 60, 100. Sometimes I wonder if we don't. Do you ever compare a little bit? you ever compare your life with somebody else's life? We don't, we don't really need to do that. Because <laughs> you just have yours. Somebody has said, you know, when it's all over, God isn't going to say, why weren't you more like, you know, why, didn't, why weren't you more like so-and-so? And it's like, why weren't you more the UI made you to be? There's a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment in realizing who we are in Christ and living that out with what God gives us to do, right? But it may look different than somebody else's fruitfulness, and that's, that's okay. He's not comparing fruitfulness at all. 30, 60, 100 times. So one of them's got three times the fruitfulness of the other, and it's not being compared in a bad way. So <clears throat> I want to show a little video here. Um, this might be my favorite story, and not just because it's a multiply story. You'll actually hear the reference to MB Mission in here because it's, it's a little older. This church, this church, this story, uh, video was put together by a supporting church in Canada. And it's a story about a woman from Burundi where Travis serves. And um, whew, uh, I'm going to be a wreck. I'm actually going to go hide over there and so I can cry a little bit off to myself. Um, it's a powerful story to me because it shows two things that I think that Multiply does well. And one is proclaiming the gospel, and the other one is community development. So, of course, we want people to come to know Jesus and grow up into him and be all that he created them to be. But if they live in communities where they don't have clean water, where they don't have nutritious food or don't have enough of it, or there's not good education or the governmental systems are just kind of a wreck and there's lots of injustice. There's just no way you can be a follower of Jesus and have this not be important. I've had some friends say, in fact, maybe Travis is even going to say it, it's hard for people to understand the gospel if they're hungry. So sometimes you're actually doing community development first. You're showing the love of Jesus first. People are created in the image of God. You never lock eyes with someone that doesn't matter to God, ever. So you have value and worth. You're worthy of love and belonging, even as a lost person. You have great value. Like, sometimes lost is this derogatory term. Like, if I have my keys, if my keys are lost, they're valuable. Like, I want to find them. It's not that they don't have value, but if my keys are lost, they're made to go in, like, start my car. If they're lost, they're also kind of useless because they can't do the thing that they were created to do. Like, lost things really matter a lot. So you have to be careful with that word when we're talking with people. Cause, and I've had people say to me, like, I hate that word, lost. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Because, like, they... It feels like a, not a dignified word for them. And I'm like, oh, man, let me explain to you how God feels about this. And they're like, oh, because there's other stories like a lost coin, a lost son, a lost sheep. Like lost is God has really got his eye on you. Okay, way longer intro for the video than I thought I was going to have. So we can just watch it now. But anyway, I, uh, I'll just say a little bit more after this and then we'll think about lunch.
My name is Odette Nahiman. At first, I had no hope at all. I was living as an outcast with no worth in the community. When this group started, it was like when Peter and John met the lame man by the gate of the temple. He got someone to hold his hand. So this group also held my hand and I began praying and having hope. I was living a miserable life. I had to beg to eat. Or sometimes, when people felt sorry for me, they would give me food. Before I joined the group, God used MB Mission to distribute food to us during the crisis and giving us charcoal and money for produce. Then after that, that gave me hope that I can live in this world like any other person. Then my worldview began to change. What has helped me so much in this group is the prayer life. We meet every th- Tuesday and we pray together. Then after meeting in prayer, we also teach one another about development and how we can thrive in this life. And we even started to grow crops. And they also gave us Irish potatoes seed. We grew those potatoes and we harvested them. After harvesting that crop, we were able to take home more potatoes to plant in our gardens. But the problem was because I'm not from here, I didn't have land and I needed to find someone from Ngozi with that garden to help me. Miraculously, I found one. I planted 49 kilograms of potatoes and harvested 400 kilograms. Right now, as we talk, I have been changed fully and I try to share my hopes with others and I'm seeing the change even in the way I I walk and talk. I'm no longer begging. In fact, I'm able to bless others with what I have. So I used the charcoal that was distributed as the capital to start my charcoal business. Now I can provide food and shelter for myself and can even bless others by giving. My hopes now are that I am no longer the way I was. I can now testify about Jesus to others that he really can transform lives. And even others in the community are being transformed because of me. I want to make Jesus known and testify to others what he has done for me. And then I also hope that one day I might be delivered from my disability. Now, people who used to see me beg are amazed at how much I've changed. They come to learn from me. I want people to be able to see past my disability and see into my hope and future.
just such a good story. Um, I love how she said, uh, someone took my hand. And she said at one place, um, I'm becoming a different person. Just process. Um, and then at one, said, one point she said, I've been transformed fully. Isn't that like the beauty of how this works? Is there is a sense in which she has been transformed fully. And yet she's also still becoming. It's beautiful. She's no longer begging. She has enough for herself and she's seeing herself as part of a solution in her community by being able to care for others. My goodness. Like, the gospel really can change the whole world. So uh, this is what we do. This is what we do together. So you know Paul and Sarah are very loving people. Like, their hospitality is fantastic. Constantly with people and with children. And it's all about just loving them and letting the gospel transform their lives too. So just thanks for being a part of that. So I want to close with a verse. It's from John 12. And Jesus said this amazing thing. Unless, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And so this is the multiplication, fruitfulness idea. What does it mean to, to die? Jesus says things like, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily and die. Anyone who wants to follow me has, you know, if you love your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it back. Um, you're going to hear Travis's story this afternoon. Um, he had a great life. <laughs> By all standards, he had a great life, and it was killing him. He just realized there was a deceitfulness of something going on. He had bought into something with good intentions. He loved Jesus. And there was something in setting that aside and stepping into a different reality that was very much like dying and still is. Because we get to be a living sacrifice, which means we, we're surrendering all the time. Um, so this is the way to fruitfulness in Jesus is that we set aside our preferences and our wants. And we say yes to the better thing that Jesus has for us. And it probably is going to be harder, but it's just going to be better. It's going to be way better. He, I said it in Sunday school. Jesus is always inviting us into stuff that feels way bigger than what we can handle. And that's by design. Because if you can say yes to something and do it on your own, then you can be like, gotcha, Jesus. Bet you're really glad I'm on your team. Like, right? But if if we say yes, and we're trusting that Jesus is going to have to show up here and do something really amazing, now I'm really encouraged when he does that. Like, wow, he's really good. I like this saying yes thing. Um, and then I think it makes him look great 
And people are like, oh, I'd like to get in on that. So this is what, this is it. This is the life. This is what we're doing together in Henderson or Harare. I actually just did that on the fly. Isn't that impressive? Okay. Sit in Zimbabwe. Okay. Um, shall I pray? Yeah, Father, thanks. Thanks for a chance to be together. Um, hear some stories. Talk about seeds and fruitfulness, what hinders it, what helps it. And thanks that this is what the life with you is like. Um, you, you move us from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. You give us your Holy Spirit. You help us to grow. You place us in families, place us in church families to care for us and help us grow, to train us so that we can be fruitful in the life you've given us. And we're just so grateful. We're so thankful that this is the life that you have brought us into. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.